Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to Flex Cortex. As you can see, we have kind of a new setup, uh, which is upgraded. pretty cool. I'm excited about it. Bryce is excited about it. Um, we have upgraded big time. Yeah, huge upgrade. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, plateaus, getting stuck, step bro, or gym bro in this case. We are. So um, Why am I stuck, gym bro? Well, yeah, exactly. How do I get my hand stuck, unstuck from this barbell? Oh, no. Gym bro uh we're gonna just go over some important things to consider regarding training nutrition recovery uh these can all be very beneficial to get through those plateaus um and yeah if we if you fully utilize all the tips and tricks we kind of go through today so let's jump into it are they still seeing the flex cortex thing oh yeah let's uh let's stop sharing the screen there so they can see our beautiful faces yeah exactly so all right guys uh, yeah, welcome. if you haven't welcome. seen our faces yet, welcome. Uh, this there is all is new now, to us. So. There is now a, f- a face to the voice. Yes, so bear with us if uh, there's some technical difficulties. This is uh, our first time using Riverside. So, and, uh, Shout out Riverside. Yeah, Shout exactly. Riverside. And uh, we're streaming this to Twitch right now. So hello, welcome, Twitch, guys. to no. the zero viewers because we haven't announced it anywhere. Uh, we're going to just kind of do a dry run here with this episode and then try and do it more regular for future episodes 100 percent. okay so one of the first uh areas i want to just talk about is nutrition uh nutrition is huge for plateaus especially for weight loss clients um or even weight gain clients because as everyone knows the very very simple truth of it is calories in uh first calories out well either if you have a calorie excess you'll gain weight calorie deficit lose weight simple in theory um, simple yeah. yeah in theory in theory the actual practice very different yeah 100%. um so yeah like that can also even affect your um anabolic versus catabolic states so if you're going to be building tissue or not um for strength gains and muscle building so um it's really important that uh as your body weight decreases uh so does your caloric needs to maintain your body weight so a way to actually combat this when you have like a caloric uh, deficit and you're trying to lose weight, but you're stuck is to actually build muscle through resistance training. So if you haven't actually put in the resistance training yet, it's good to just, you know, let's, let's do some lifting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the most overlooked aspects of training. I think too many people focus on cardio and they focus on energy expenditure versus time actually resistance training and working on building lean tissue because lean tissue will help you lean out drastically. So definitely do not ignore resistance training. That could be like one of the crucial aspects, whether you're seeing success in the gym or not um, versus just being a cardio bunny and hopping on the cardio machine for 45 minutes. Exactly. And like you're, as you start to lose weight and like, cause I think a lot of clients go into it with, the goal of ultimately losing weight. But once you get mm-hmm. into it 
and you actually start feeling good about yourself again it's less about the weight the number it's more about how you feel how you look uh yeah and just like body. actually get in there and doing the work right body composition is a huge thing right so i think too many people are fixated on the scale and um if you're not seeing the scale go down all of a sudden you're associating this with like with failure you're associating this with a sense of like um, complacency and that you're not actually seeing any kind of progress but think about body comp right so it's really important to do measurements really important to get some gauge of body fat uh, again obviously like a dexa is going to be the most important one but um, if you don't want to pay for a dexa at least have like a scale that you can use for reference um, i have a renfo scale this is not a paid ad by the way <laughs> I have a Renfo scale and it does do all my body fat. It does do all this stuff. And it's really nice just to have that as something to follow um, and just seeing kind of how you're progressing through your cut. Um, that's what I've honestly used through the eight weeks, um, eight weeks so far. So I've actually been using that to see how my body fat's been decreasing. Um, and it's nice just to see how you're, how you're doing so far. Right. Yeah. It's a very quick side tangent about those things. So um, yeah. a lot of people are like, you know, how, accurate are they and they're not a dexa scan but they're actually not that bad um no. especially because what they actually will do is they send basically like um it sounds a lot scarier than it is because you don't feel anything but it's like an electric mm -hmm. pulse basically that uh will interact with lean muscle tissue uh and fat differently because they're different densities and all that stuff and different conductivity so mm -hmm. uh that's how you kind of get like a, a rough number but that number is actually very helpful for both you and also if you're working with a trainer to just, you know, better gauge where you're at. Yeah. For a lot of my online clients, I encourage that. Um, for in-person clients, obviously we do check-ins, but the online aspect is super important because like you can see what the scale that I have, you can see trends too. So it'll actually show like the days that you weigh in on like a scale of whether it's going down, whether it's staying consistent or not. So that's kind of cool just to see how your body actually um, goes throughout the week because nobody's going to be the same weight all week it's pretty unlikely there's so many factors like there's water retention there's sodium intake and there's like a lot of other things that people don't think about and there's also sleep right yeah it's like all those videos you see on youtube where you have like um you know the before and after pictures but they're taken on the same day where you just yeah. like you, you get nice and lean you dehydrate yourself for a couple of days beforehand and then right after you just drink a whole bunch of water with a bunch of chips or something high in yeah. sodium yeah and then you balloon yeah. up because of um, yeah because you you uh blow it up because you're full right so yeah. you, you're, you're always going to be attention yeah and as a, i'd say as a general rule i mean it's pretty pretty obvious one but always weigh yourself in the morning yeah um and find a consistent time to weigh yourself and even a consistent days. So that way you have good reference. Like don't weigh yourself Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one week, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, the next week. Yeah. Because there's so much inconsistency and it's going to be hard to actually gauge your actual progress in that sense. And also don't go on the scale with like, you know, your big hoodie and like your jeans no. and your work boots and be like, all right, we're going to do a quick weigh in before work as I'm heading out the door. So Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I see that often at the gym too, right? At night you're weighing in. It's like you've oh, yeah. been eating all day. You've been drinking water all day and you have clothes on. Oh, hundred so like, percent. that weighing is super inaccurate. I mean, unless you're weighing yourself the same time every day, but like, what if you ate more that day? Or what if you drank more water that day? Or what if you're more dehydrated that day? Especially when like this week, for example, in Alberta, it's like the Saharan desert. So like you're going to be probably more dehydrated than usual. So you're probably, your weight might be even lower. 
if you're not rehydrating more. Oh yeah. And, uh, and by the way, guys, uh, if you're, you know, having a nice weekend and this is just a public health announcement, mm. your alcoholic beverages are, if, if it's a low percentage, they actually found that for some research that it could actually still be hydrating you technically, but generally speaking, you alcohol is a diuretic. So the higher the alcohol content, the more you're going to pee, the more water you're going to lose. Uh, it, it's not great. So if you are just make sure you put like a Gatorade in there. So you get the electrolytes you need to keep, keep onto that fluid in the nice summer heat. Nice. Or you get, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing with alcohol, right? Is making sure you're trying to hydrate. And I mean, we're no professionals in that sense, but I think it's usually a glass of water to every drink is a yeah. good rule. So then or, that way, by the end of the night, you're not super dehydrated or well, super hungover. I mean, if we're given general rules, it's like our technical stance, I think for both of us is just don't drink alcohol, but let's, let's all be real. Like it's gotta be realistic. People are going to drink anyway, if they're drinking. So, Oh yeah. Stuff's opening up. People are going to get a little rowdy and I, yeah. we expect that. Right. So, Oh, hundred percent. But yeah, ha- have fun, our, have fun safely though. Have fun, but you know, keep it a little low key. Yeah, the exactly. vodka water is a good option. But vodka water. Yeah. Half vodka, half water. Right. That's uh generally the rule of thumb yeah 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 <laughs> oh sorry for that side tangent <laughs> <laughs> i think it's important though because yeah. like in alberta for example like things are now opening up like things are going to be pretty open compared to what we had the past year and a half or two years as of july yeah so um i mean for other places i'm not really sure what all of their rules and stuff are right now but i mean for us we've kind of been cooped up so i know a lot of people are really wanting to go out especially for canada day right go out and have fun um and more likely than not it's probably going to be drinking so yeah. just remember that yeah especially with this heat being outside have a ton of water and like tanner mentioned before gatorade is definitely not a bad bet but you don't also want to have too much gatorade and not enough water to yeah. find the balance because you know they're on the inverse there's actually the danger of like having the too, too many electrolytes and not actually properly uh you know draining the fluids out of your body cramping afterwards. cramping 100 percent. yeah you're gonna be a, a bloated you'll, you'll have like a wave to you even if you're pretty pretty uh lean you'll just be like yeah i have like a a, mm. a wave inside of me yeah it'll be the um the bump yeah the bump of the bump of bloat to, to quote a good friend uh who said this this uh past weekend uh after drinking a little too much. Uh, and I quote, I've got an ocean inside of me. <laughs> so uh, don't don't uh, retain too much there. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. Is that the, was that the bit for the nutrition portion? That is pretty much nutrition at this point. Awesome. Okay. So to kind of go off of the nutrition aspect of it, we're going to jump into some recovery aspects. Um, so again, we're discussing plateaus today. One big important aspect is sleep. So obviously, like we mentioned before, sleep is going to be a huge um, aspect of your recovery. So recovering between sessions, um, optimizing performance, and then also it can be a detriment if you're actually trying to lose weight. Um, Lots of people don't sleep very much, are really high stress, and that's when weight loss is going to be stalling or even you might even be gaining weight. Um, So sleep is probably one of the most overlooked aspects of recovery. If you sleep a solid like seven to nine hours a night, 
you should be good, like as a general rule. Um, I know obviously everybody's a little bit different in regards of what they deem essential for their for their body, um, but as a general rule, probably like your seven to nine hours. Um, to jump off of that though, we have the massage. So as what I would recommend as a PT is probably doing a massage like once a month. Um, I usually do like a maintenance massage, kind of just seeing. Um, I typically am pretty body aware at this point, so I know what my trouble areas are. I know which areas that I need to have worked on. Um, but I mean, if you don't know that, that's totally fine. Just going to your massage therapist and realizing what you need to have worked on. Um, so go to her or go to him. We're not going to say you're going to go specifically to a woman yeah. <laughs> and just tell them like, Hey, I'm this week. I'm really tight. In my, like my lats or my pecs or whatever. And then just have them help with that. Cause that helps a lot with, um, your recovery between sessions, obviously, and it's just going to help keep you healthy. Oh yeah. Just like, you know, we, I think all, all humans pretty much, um, end up getting tight, uh, muscles here or there. So mm -hmm. massage can really help loosen that up and actually help enhance that recovery phase. So very good point about the massage. I know that it's, it's sometimes difficult to uh, get in, especially with COVID and the, all the restrictions, but things kind of opening up hopefully uh people have that opportunity again yeah yeah i know that massage i believe has actually been open uh, for most of the lockdown unless i'm wrong i think so yeah but by appointment only or whatever yeah so pretty much no different than before um because you can't really do walk-ins for massage anyways true yeah but again it's um the whole mobility and flexibility aspect so important to a touch those especially if you're not doing you should be doing mobility and flexibility regularly if you're training regularly but this is kind of another essential one especially because benefits cover most of it usually Excuse oh, me. 100% yeah so um, again the flexibility will help strengthen or improve your joint mobility which may be contributing to a plateau so if you're honestly just unable to get into those positions getting more exposure in new positions is going to be essential to breaking through your plateaus a lot of it could just be tissue restrictions which could be implemented by or affected by your joints too so uh, there's so many aspects to consider when it comes to plateaus that's why we wanted to do an episode on it oh 100 um, yeah and then the last one was soft tissue restrictions so we kind of discussed that before uh, massage is obviously a good aspect of that but um, the good old foam roller gets it done too sometimes um, if you're doing that regularly. So you don't really need to do too much. Like I wouldn't say that you need to be doing like an hour a day, um, but, you know, find a routine that you like and do like a 10 minute roll. Just kind of do that every day and just add that as part of your workout at uh, towards the end. Yeah. I think we've all seen the guy at the gym who, uh, you know, comes in, does his hour of uh, foam rolling, does that 20 minute workout and then does like an hour of foam rolling at the end. And like, yeah. you know what? teach their own no judgment here but you know mm -hmm. you, you could probably get away with less yeah and then there's the whole less is more approach um if you're foam rolling before and after you could probably be more useful with your time and do something to more prioritize actually like warming up and getting into positions that are going to benefit you for your workout versus laying on a foam roller yeah 100 percent and but like it's i think a lot of us uh you know when you first 
discover the foam roller uh, or, you know, the tennis ball approach to get into those muscles, we become over-reliant on it too. Um, yeah. In terms of, you know, just, you don't need to be using it before every single set and uh, trying to lumber up constantly. Like it's important. It's not, you know, you should breathe important, you know? Yeah. There's a bit of a nuance with it too, right? Like I think everybody thinks that, I mean, it kind of became a big thing like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they got super popular. Um, I, I think it's just obviously due to influence, right? So I think a lot of it's just due to social media. Um, the impact it has is crazy, obviously. So somebody sees their favorite influencer do it. Obviously, they're like, oh, man, it's a great idea. So, but yeah, definitely, if you're going to be doing any kind of soft tissue work, implement it in towards the end of your workout. Um, I probably wouldn't do it before unless you're finding that you're really restricted and that you need to do a little bit to just help simply get into positions yeah, i wouldn't be doing 100%. anything to just like i wouldn't be doing anything to seriously like relieve any kind of like tension or any kind of pain before because um, you could just honestly do some movements that help you get into positions to better use your time yeah your mobility and your stretching are going to be uh, your mobility work and stretching are going to just you know better enhance that than the foam really well yeah. And you could honestly do like 10, 15 minutes every day of stretching. Yeah. Start um, your morning you with do stretching. It. Do a stretch yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Or I know a lot of people like some of my clients like to do it before bed. Yeah. Because it kind of helps calm you down, right? You're you're kind of getting into like a bit of a relaxed state. Um, I mean, depends how much tension you have in your body. It might not be that relaxing for yeah. you. So maybe you don't want to do it before bed. But if you're doing it regularly and it feels like it's relaxing for you, could be a nice way to kind of cool down and calm down before bed yeah just kind of get into that zen state it's almost meditative at a certain point when you kind of get into the routine and your muscles aren't like like we uh, bryce alluded to overly tight where you're like you know mm. in massive pain or anything like that so yeah and i mean a lot of muscle tightness is just simply due to positioning um so it's positional tightness but that's a topic for a different um a different podcast very fair <laughs> yeah so to build off that though we do have the training aspect um, so obviously when it comes to plateaus it's very important to make sure that you're actually following something structured i don't know how many times i have talked to people and they've been doing the same program but like just restarting it for like six months that's me <laughs> I've done that. Raise your raise your hand. If raise your hand if you've done that before. Yeah, and I think I think I think we definitely have bodybuilding.com to thank for that. So shout out bodybuilding.com when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, Jim Stepani, your program yeah. was on repeat for like six uh, like six months, then another six months, and another six months. We're gonna so. plug Jim Stepani's shred and uh, and bulk programs on here. Yeah, I've done that. I've gone through each of those uh, a couple dozen times. I'm sure. So then, uh, yeah, obviously, it's great to use those kind of sources to get exposed and to start. But end of the day, though, like if you're not seeing progress, it's likely because your body's adapting to the stress. So if you're doing like this bulk and this cut program over and over and over again, you're probably not really seeing much progress apart from the weight that you're putting on and losing. Oh, yeah. And like, like I think when it comes down to it, you know, the reason why you vary up your programming is because also a lot of these um, lifts or 
different exercises that you're doing aren't actually very applicable to, you know, the dynamic range of motion. How often are you just doing a shoulder press to like do something Mm -hmm. you're doing, usually doing a shoulder press and then a press in. So getting that dynamic so that your joints, your mobility, your muscles can all do that without getting injured is super important. And then there's the whole aspect of like, if you're doing a program that's for everybody, it's not for you. It's not specifically tailored to you, to what you need. It doesn't have movements in there to better your movement patterns, which again, like I want to reiterate the benefit of having a coach yeah, because they can go through an assessment with you, figure out what kind of movement prep to start off with or corrective movements you need in your program. And then eventually integrating in actual movements to your workout. That's the whole benefit of having some, someone with experience, having somebody with guidance because you can just follow the same plan over and over again but there's no structure, right? I mean, the only structure is that you've built the habit of consistency, which isn't a bad thing, yeah. but you could, be, you could be definitely be seeing more progress if you actually had some more guidance and were getting put in like, the right direction, right? Oh, exactly. And like the other thing is, you know, so many people will come into a come into training after their pre-contemplative phase into their contemplative and they're thinking about doing it because, you know, sometimes you have a person who's perfectly healthy who just wants to uh, improve with little resistance training. But a lot of time it's people with uh, a lot of chronic diseases, obesity, um, whatever it may be. And a lot of these come with injuries that, you know, that everybody program is going to really exasperate and make really awful for you. So working with Mm -hmm. your, uh, with a coach can really help you get to that place where you can safely actually start those programs. And I think that ties in nicely with some talks that we've had on this podcast um, with like with Ian and Thayer about having like a healthcare circle, right? Having your PT in touch with your massage therapist, having your PT in touch with your GP, having your PT in touch with your physio. So that way you guys can all work together to give you the best service you need, right? Because that's when it comes down to is that sense of community and that sense of belonging. And also like that's how they can service you the best versus the PT personally, like, I love it when the massage therapist sends me a little recap of a massage from a client because then I know, I know what I can implement. And that's actually what I ask for from all my clients is like how, how the massage go, um, what did they say it was? So then I can kind of program accordingly based off of that and make adjustments, right. Versus just like, okay, you're feeling better. Sweet. We'll resume as we'll resume as we did before, because what if the issue isn't addressed? Well, exactly. Like what if it's, you know, something related to form or a muscle imbalance so that maybe you have to change programming. So they're not doing an overhead press because they're uh, you know, you have your issues with your rotor cuff and your shoulder complex, right? It might just lead to another plateau. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, or at worst injury, right? Re-injuring an injury. Right. So yeah. that's why it's important. Cause like an injury is a plateau, a recurring injury is a plateau, right? Yeah. Cause you're not going to be up. progressing past that point where uh, you can actually significantly build um that you know muscle complex especially like when you're coming around to like your hip joint your shoulder joint these things are things that actually uh, are benefited by more muscle mass in that area to help protect uh you know your very delicate tendons and your joints in that area one thousand percent yeah so we're telling you get big for your health yes exactly get those massive shoulders yeah, and you know what? It'll make your uh, 
COVID vaccines or other vaccines a lot easier too because the nurse will know where to put it put it get just straight juicy for your for your health yeah many juicy deltoids for the health (laughs) it's actually funny you mentioned that because when i got my covid vax that's like one thing she mentioned she's like well it's easy to find your delt yeah yeah it's like automatically like oh right there i didn't know like that they because i don't have i don't get many vaccines obviously but i didn't know that they usually have to like slap your your skin first to like usually like try to to try to like find because like for some people it's hard to find where their delt actually is right well, we don't, it's, it's not so much slapping. She might've just wanted to slap you, bro. Uh, <laughs> Cause like what we'll do is we'll know. landmark off the top of your shoulder, your process of uh, your, uh, I'm forgetting the bone name right now. Uh, she gave me a little, little, a little, like Glenn humoral. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, with the, or the, the AC. Oh, you mean AC joint, right? Yeah. Not the AC joint, but there's like the, the uh, process of your uh, uh, scapula or whatever right here. Or... Is it the, uh, the acromium? Yeah, the acronym of the, I think it's actually technically the humerus. Um, so, yeah, we go off that, then it's two fingers down. And generally speaking, that's where your deltoid is. Generally. For me, she was just like, right she's there. like, good to go. Be like, that seems like a good shoulder muscle right there. Nice and juicy. Good, good to go. Good to go. But yeah, um, so obviously, those are really important things to consider when, plat- when you're ta- talking about plateaus. And I think. We really wanted to do this episode because everybody typically thinks about a plateau as weight loss, but there are so many other important aspects and like other considerations for plateaus and plateaus can come in so many different ways, shapes and forms. That's the main thing why we wanted to talk about plateaus today, because especially like getting back into a gym fairly recently with gyms kind of just reopening here is like, you don't want to kind of jump in too fast and then stall out. And you also obviously wanted to take your time and progress at a gradual rate. Yeah. Because that's important. Well, because like without, you know, a lot of people who are in that, you know, maintenance stage or in the active phase of working out, they're going to realize they got back into the gym after the lockdowns and be like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, um, I feel like I'm plateauing because I can't lift like I was lifting before. Um, mm-hmm. And like, yeah, because <laughs> you probably you weren't actively doing it most likely because weights yeah. are literally more expensive than lumber, which is more expensive than everything. So, yeah. Yeah. With the, uh, I mean, it comes down to simple, simple consumerism, right? Yeah. With, with high demand of product, the price goes up. Well, yeah. With, it's it's with like low demand. It goes down, right? They, there's that high demand. And then, uh, cause it's usually supply to demand. Right. But, uh, a lot of that was artificial, uh, you know, supply issues. So there was enough supply, there's enough lumber, but because of the demand, you can make a quick penny. I think a lot of it was just to create a sense of urgency. Yeah. And obviously like we feel more threatened by the fact that stuff is in low stock. So we're more likely to impulse buy and be like, Oh yeah. $3,000 for a squat rack. hundred percent. Be like, sure. Yeah. That's worth it. (laughs) That's a good price. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've uh, not bought dumbbells. I was talking to you before uh, the podcast. Like I didn't buy any dumbbells for the last year and a half um, to replace it because they've been at sky high prices. So when it finally yeah. came under $2, which is still a relatively high price, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll, I'll bite the bullet on that. Yeah. And like, that's the benefit of just waiting a little bit, right? Yeah. Wait, wait a little bit. And 
let things kind of smooth over and calm down and let prices come down versus buying when it's really high. I mean, unless you um, need it, but obviously that's a benefit of like thinking a little bit ahead and thinking about when you're going to need it. And that's kind of why, like I bought most of my stuff in November. Um, yeah. Prices kinda, are starting I, to come down because we weren't closed up. We'd been open kind of, for the last few months. Yeah. And I kind of predicted that things would. Yeah. Cause we, we, we didn't have a vaccine. We weren't through this yet. So yeah, ultimately. Yeah. But yeah, to, uh, we'll just wrap this up. Um, so there's a couple other things to think about when it comes to plateaus too. And there's the anatomical structural differences. So everybody's going to be different when it look, when you look at their structure and their anatomy. So everyone's going to have different shapes for their rib cage, for their shoulder width, right? For their sternum. Um, and then you obviously have for females, you've got to consider their Q angle of their hips, which will affect where their feet are um, because it'll affect where their um, hip actually inserts and where you have that um, greater trochanter, right? Yeah, yeah, the greater trochanter and where it actually sits and moves. So it'll affect, it can affect your squat stance and it can affect obviously how you walk. Um, so that'll obviously change mechanics. And if you're not squatting, for, as an example, to your structure if you're fighting your structure that could also be limiting your progress oh 100 so it's important to think about like your progress think about your structure and like don't fight your don't fight your structure so if your body wants to kind of like go into a certain position obviously within reason don't fight it and be like no i need to squat this way yeah because there is like there's no one way to squat and like there's so much context to that it's so important to, to mention Exactly. And that's, again, going back to not to beat this over the head for the last 16 episodes, but that's why a trainer is important because they can deem if what you're doing with your form is going to be uh, detrimental and lead to injury, or if it's actually going to be something that you can do within limits because it feels better. Because if it's not feeling good, but it's technically, you know, textbook form, it still can lead to injury because it's like Bryce was just saying, it's it's not for your body in that case. Textbook for that person might not be textbook for you. Yeah, exactly. So there's no, I wouldn't say that there's one way to do anything. It's finding what, what applying what you can learn from those things, applying it to your technique and finding what works best for you. So again, the benefit of having a, an assessment too, right? Don't Seeing know. how you're moving, especially before starting a program. Because exactly. that's like the biggest thing is you might be, doing things improperly and it might honestly just be due to a lack of education in the system yeah and you're gonna you know uh without that assessment you might not know that you know you have serious muscle imbalances so you go to squat you use perfect form and it still feels okay but mm -hmm. it still might lead to injury just because you shouldn't be doing a squat yet or with that amount of weight yeah and that leads perfectly into not progressing a movement fast enough or progressing a movement too quickly um, so it's obviously important to lay groundwork with this. And um, if you're progressing a movement way too quickly, like let's say your first week in the gym, you're already doing deadlifts, you're probably not ready to deadlift if you don't know how to hinge, if you don't know how to move, properly move your hips separately from your knees and your legs. Um, so it's important to have that structure established and laid out and make that groundwork, right? Yeah. Like people, it is insanely easy to just throw out your back deadlifting if you don't know the proper movements and you're lift, putting on too much uh, weight progression there. 1000% guys. Um, so just, again, that's a really important thing to think about is progressing at a gradual rate, progressing at a rate that you feel comfortable. Um, 
like you should know exactly how to do a movement before you're going to something else. If you feel like you're still a little bit unsure with something, stick with it longer and give it some more practice because the reps are going to be what helps cement that pattern. Oh yeah. And just, re- and just repeating it over and over again. Right. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the last thing is going to be progressive overload. I know people always throw the word around, but making sure that you have proper stimulus and different stress in your program. So like we mentioned before, not just doing the same program on repeat for six months, Yeah. having some, something laid out in regards of like, you have your, your micro cycle, your macro cycle and your mezzo. So you have like, you know, the daily changes, you have your kind of like your weekly and then you have your monthly changes. Right. Um, so obviously your, your sessions probably won't change too much day to day, but they should change week to week and they should change month to month. Yeah. So, and at the very least, like do some weight, basic progressive overload with just increasing weights. Don't lift the That's same weight. For, you know, throw month some month. damn, throw some damn weight on the bar. Yeah. But <laughs> put those 2.5s on there as a, a good, uh, good, uh, not buddy, but, uh, you know, fellow work gym guy or goer. Oh, and like, that's the thing too, is even those 2.5 pound weights yeah. is five pounds extra. Yeah. So like over the course of like, let's say three or four sets, that is still extra volume. Yeah. So people don't think about that, right? Like, oh, it's only two and a halfs. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's only two and a halfs, but it's still more than you were lifting last week. And especially like with, uh, you know, if you're doing that week after week or, you know, at least every month, you're getting good gains. By the end of like a six month period, you might be, you know, increasing your uh, weight. If you're doing 2.5 pounds each week, that's going to be what, 20 pounds in a month. So you're getting like 120 pounds extra in six months. Like that's yeah. that takes your, you know, bench press from like a measly uh, 135, which is my bench press, uh, going all the way up to, you know, in the two hundreds, which is a very impressive bench. Yeah. But, uh, that's pretty much it for the episode guys. We, uh, thank you for tuning into this one. Um, we hope you guys like this new, this new layout. I know that we really like it. It feels more personal that we're able to like actually talk with you guys more and obviously get to see Tanner's beautiful face. So what's better than that? Yeah, what's better than that? Makes it a little bit better for conversation, which is great. So, thanks, guys. Anyways, guys, we appreciate you tuning into this one, and we'll see y'all at the next one. See you in the next one.